We're also frightened by time, the way it moves on and the way things disappear. That's why we're photographers. We're preservationists by nature. We take pictures to stop time, to commit moments to eternity. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. And this is episode 179 for the middle of March. We're actually recording on Pi Day. I don't know if you Pi Day. That. That's right. 3.14. 3.14. 9259. Did you have a pie today? You don't follow this. No, I no. had uh, Vietnamese food. Oh. So there was oh. no no pie no to be had. No. no. Elizabeth would have, if she if she was around, she would have made sure we had some sort of pies. We probably would have had a pie ah. for dinner, like a chicken pot pie, and then we would have certainly had some sort of apple pie or something. Oh, uh, nice. For sure. Yeah, so I didn't get any pies today. I wasn't in the mood. It was, uh, But um, one time she made an apple pie, a bourbon bacon apple pie. Ah. If you can just imagine this thing, this, and she used really thick, like, slab bacon, and literally it was an apple pie with the crust of bacon. Mm. Uh, cool. It smelled, <laughs> yeah, except that the thing is, we realized that we needed to cook the bacon ahead of time. We oh, yeah, so, that's... So, <laughs> the, it, the apples were soaked in bacon fat, <laughs> and that wasn't quite so pleasant. It looked beautiful, but it wasn't so pleasant, so... So well, I, she, didn't, she didn't give you like a little task like can you tell from the slice of pie i've just served you what the circumference of the pie no, is? <laughs> no. but i did have to measure how much bacon fat there was okay you know, well, sort of, you know, and it made a good photograph too it looked beautiful you know with this anyway that was we, we never got a chance to remake that i'll have to try food to photography that. you know for food advertising yeah. yeah so so yeah you know we've missed you on the show a couple times i know i'm back my voice is almost back i was not like you know, you know i was not in any kind of horrible um you know barely there sort of state it was just um you know fighting a, a quite an interesting cold and my voice was completely unusable so now it's coming back you sound so, you sound you sound, sound pretty good better. Yeah. Okay, well, I sound yeah. the same nasally annoying self in my own head, so that's good. <laughs> Don't we all sound annoying to ourselves? In yeah, our I own think head? so. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was kind of bummed that you weren't weren't around, um, but I did have a good chat with Bart on the last yeah, episode. That was great. And uh, for those of you who didn't may not have heard it, we 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 actually started on his show talking about more ai because it was just it, the topic was topical and i also um he had done an episode about ai and after i heard it i called him up or i left him a message on twitter and i said i want to volunteer to be on your yeah. show and so that he, he said definitely and then yeah. and then we came up with the idea if, since you weren't around that we would do the two-parter yeah. so i really enjoyed it. i could talk to him for hours mm. i think Art i could is, too yeah yeah i get a chance to go out and visit i'd love to go to ireland um, but anyway, that was fun. But yeah, we missed you. I think that would be a good conversation. But I think the three of us need to get together and figure out something to talk about because he's uh, he's a great person to talk to uh, about photography. So, but yeah, I missed you. you know, and I can't remember what I did first. What was the episode prior to that? Did you do a one-off? Um, I did, but I can't remember what I talked about. 
Oh yeah, the familiar places, the stuff I was doing. Oh yeah, 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 all the old familiar places. But, right. Um, so yeah, I missed you. Missed, missed talking. Well, to I'm you. back. You are back, baby. You're you back. might regret it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the evening is young. The evening is still the, young. The, the, exactly. the recording is just starting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a few things to to a couple of things to talk about before we get into our main topic. Um, First of all, uh, we had uh, one of our uh, listeners reach out to us, um, Mr. Jeffrey Saldinger. I'm butchering his name. What would you, yeah, how we, would you say? We got, I, I would go with Saldinger. Saldinger. Yeah, See, we're, we're trying. We're trying, we're trying Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Sorry, we're since trying. I haven't spoken to you. Um, he, he reached out uh, to us via email and asked if we wanted a copy of his book. And I, since I am now a collector of books, I said, absolutely. And he sent us both a copy of his book, which is entitled Unassuming Places in New York City's Manhattan and Astoria. And I, I um, first of all, you know, if he's, Jeffrey, if you're listening, I'm sure you are, since you're a listener. Again, I want to thank you for this beautiful book that you sent both of us. Um, yeah, I'm, I was really bowled over with it. I it, kind of love it, actually. Yeah, I do. I'm, I, I will put a link to the book PDF and his website on the show notes so that anybody who's interested can see it. But he, he's, uh, I'd actually would like to talk about the book on an episode or like maybe we can actually talk him into being on the show and talking about this book and his oh, processes. But yeah, um, the quick, uh, um, I want to say quick review because I don't want to necessarily give it a quick review. It's, it's beautiful photography. Uh, what I told him in my email to thank him is that there are bits and pieces of New York in his book that I recognize from just being a New Yorker, you mm -hmm. know, and the way he captured his um, little details of uh, New York and um, uh, I believe what he said, uh, Astoria, so Manhattan and Queens. Um, and it, I, as I went through it a few times, I, I just realized that like I recognize this place and, and it was really an interesting viewpoint mm -hmm. to see the city through his eyes. In this book um, i'm really glad he was able to send you a copy too yeah and and too i share i mean not being a, a native new yorker i got the energy of new york and now after having been having been there and i shared that with him too that there are bits of the energy and it's a, to me there are moments of of when you're just sitting somewhere in a cab or on the train or you know just standing in the street and wherever and and just letting yourself stare and seeing details that have just happened to be in front of you, um, sometimes static, sometimes fleeting. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, he caught those kind of moments. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And and in terms of it, uh, the book is like an art object of itself mm -hmm. too. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, like I told him, it's the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So yeah, I agree. Uh, it it also um, here we're starting to sound like a review. <laughs> Yeah. I can't, I, I don't want to just, you know, we have to give it enough of time, but I do want to spend more time with it. Uh, it, it jives with like what I've been doing lately. I think when I talked about it a couple of episodes ago on my own, uh, mm -hmm. the familiar places where I'm like walking around my neighborhood and trying to capture details and things that I might not have been able to see, uh, or people, other people might not be able to see and just walk around and, and really try to look at what's familiar in a different way. And then mm -hmm. this book came in around, you know, of course, around the time when I'm doing this. And so 
I'm also looking at his imagery and and able to st start to maybe even see the world a little bit through his eyes, like how mm -hmm. he sees. And I find it it's very hard for me to do. It's not how I see. No. But when I when I do catch a glimpse of something like you know reflection in the in, in a like a pool of water in the street and use mm -hmm. that reflection to capture something, it made me think about him. Um, but it's it's um, it for me a way to see the city in a different way. And I love that it came in in this time when I'm actually do this is the kind of stuff I'm doing. I'm doing my version of it. Yeah, this sort of detailed work. So. Um, but I really wanted to uh, thank him publicly, you know, for from from uh, from us uh, yeah. in this forum uh, mm -hmm. to the world. And and uh, please, I mean, Jeffrey, if you make your book available for sale, I think it would be, you know, I think it would fly off the shelf. Yeah, um, it's a really well. Yeah, I just book, uh, I told him it's on the top of my pile and it will be for a long time. So yeah, it's just yeah. By my easy chair in the living room. So when my wife's watching yeah. something boring on TV, I'm like. I'm going to I'm going to Astoria. <laughs> it, it is a it is a book that I I can pick up often and and find a lot more stuff uh, mm -hmm. to look at even in the pictures that I've seen before. So anyway, Jeffrey, thank you thank you so much. And you know you might have set a precedent, but you know if there's anybody in our audience who wants to share their publication with us, I'm happy to have a copy. <laughs> you know just to you know be a little selfish here, but I I you know. I, and I blame you, Ward, for this book I, thing that I'm uh, yeah. on. Oh, we're not going to be Ted Forbes where there's, you know, mail, mail. Opening up. No, Wednesdays. <laughs> Although, actually, well. Videos of us opening boxes. I, you know, I don't, I don't see that. No, but, <coughs> he, uh, you know, it's funny. I watched one of his videos and uh, the, a, a book that he spent some time on. He opened it up. And what was the name of it? From, um, From Brooklyn to Berlin. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. uh, like while he was talking about it, I, I was enthralled by the pictures, and I immediately ordered it uh, before he even finished talking about it. Yeah. And it, it, it was a very, it was a very, very good book. The basically this gentleman's journey. I think he's working for a government agency, I don't know, the EPA or something like that. But his time uh, mm -hmm. going to um, uh, Eastern Europe uh, during the Cold War or. Um, uh, and and through the um, um, fall of the, the Berlin, Berlin Wall, Berlin Wall fall, and his friends that he made there, and the photography that he shot while he would while he was going on these trips, and the people that he was with, and the photography is just great too. So, um, yeah, I don't think we'll be in you know a Ted Forbes, but I'm happy to have people want me to look at their books or have us talk about them or something like that. And, and again, one of the things I want to do. And we've talked about this, and I'm I'm sure about the logistics, but uh, you know, to sort of copy or do our version of like what Alex Soft do, Soft does is I would love to mm. like talk to you about a book, yeah, live or live. You know, I mean, like maybe even I don't know if we would record a show because it's hard to do. That we're doing audio, yeah. So how to do this? But to do that on on you know uh, YouTube to be able to see the book, we don't have to see us, right? Nobody needs no. to see our pusses. <laughs> no. But to, to, to go through the book together somehow for us to both see the book and then talk about it and, and make that a visual journey. So um, I don't know if you're still into that, but I'm, I'm, I'd like to figure I am. out to do that. I was just concerned about the logistics, but it seems like you got to figure it That's out. That's what so. I got to figure out is how do we do this so that you can, like, you know, we can record this 
and you can see the imagery or if we both have the book then that's fine because then we can both talk about it but it seems like i'm you know based on what i've been watching on youtube these days people are, are able to show pictures of it because you're talking about it so you're doing mm -hmm. uh, a fair use of it and, and you know i'm not trying to sell anything or anything like that but it's just i don't want to get in trouble Right. But I've noticed that people are showing books, and so it seems like we probably be able to do that uh, yeah. in a way as long as we're talking about it. So anyway, if there's, I hope there's maybe there's interest in that, and we can figure something out and do that. So sure. Anyway, again, Jeffrey, from the both of us, thank you so much. Thank um, you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, part two of uh, what I wanted to talk about that was the good, that was the nice part. So so Antonio, what's your beef? <laughs> Where's the beef? Yeah, well, I when I want to try to try to I want to try to not make this a rant. Um, I'm trying to be nicer these days and not complain. And uh, and but let's just you know get it out. Uh, posting, um, and I'm not sure if the person who who posted this or who I'm going to be talking about, which I won't mention names, is listening to the show. I don't think so, but in case uh it brought up some interesting thoughts in my mind anyway i post these pictures like i said from the neighborhood i walk around mm -hmm. and um i posted a bunch of i usually post like 10 or 15 pictures and it's just random stuff there's no theme to the pictures other than like i'm trying to find little details and in your neighborhood them. though right it's uh, it's yeah, in, specific not just my neighborhood and in, in surrounding neighborhoods because when I, I do a walk I walk a few miles, and so I end up walking in, into two or three different neighborhoods. We have Kensington, okay. Ditmas Park, Flatbush, um, and Windsor Terrace are kind of the areas that I walk around in. So okay. I just, when I post the pictures, I say pictures from the hoods, you know, mm. from the different hoods. And I don't really mention where they are because, anyway, because I don't remember where I shot them. So... <laughs> So I, I put about 10, 12 pictures at a time. So I just put up some pictures this morning, last night, maybe it was this morning. And, you know, the, getting a lot of people saying, oh, you know, it's great to see the neighborhood through your eyes, just like, you know, I was saying before. Uh, and then, of course, I get the inevitable, this is, it didn't happen a lot, but the inevitable, not even saying, and this is where I'll be a little critical, not even saying, hey, great pictures, right? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. This was what camera and lenses do you use? And, you know, of course the hairs, whatever hair I've got left, <laughs> the back of my neck, stand up yeah. a little bit. That's my knee jerk reaction, you know, and, and I'm sure people uh, who are listening to this show probably have had the same, have had similar experiences sometimes where um, somehow people don't necessarily see your pictures and they're quickly asking you what camera you have or mm -hmm. what lens you have. And so, my my first response to this person was something akin to like you know i said there's too many lenses and cameras to even list here because i do shoot with a bunch of different cameras i go out with mm -hmm. um and you know it's again that that argument it's like asking a painter or not you know asking a writer what typewriter they use or asking what computer use or asking a cook what you know um pots they use to cook the meal Right. Anyway, there was a little back and forth about this. Uh, it ended up a nice, at least I thought, was a nice ending. There wasn't um, animosity in it. But I wanted to sort of play this out a little bit or sort of talk it out a little. Because, mm -hmm. again, my initial reaction is, really? You really want to know about the cameras? Mm -hmm. 
what is that, you know, what is that going to do? And actually what I did tell this person, I didn't tell them the specific cameras. I said, just for your information, I'm in the Fuji film system and I've got a zillion lenses. Cause mm. I don't know what I'm shooting with when I'm walking around. I don't remember all the time. I mean, I could look at the metadata, but I shoot between three or, you know, five cameras and stuff like that. And I did say that the, the color from the camera comes from the cameras and also a mix of stuff I do in, in Lightroom. So, right. but I was like, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter, you know, no. uh, but I, you know, this comes up again and again, and then sort of the same, I guess it's sort of having the same reaction again and again. Uh, and of course it's a, again, the knee jerk reaction is I don't want to tell people necessarily what camera I have, but right. then like, what is that about? <laughs> like, right. Why not tell the person what camera I have? Um, but I, I sort of ranted on our, on our unusual, uh, discord, um, group about like, I don't want to be polite anymore. I'm tired of telling of being nice. And I don't mean that I'm going to be a schmuck. Um, which we well, obviously have strong feelings about it. I mean, it's like, what really, what difference does it make? And, 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 and my point is I think uh, a lot of people when they're maybe starting their journey in photography, they don't know maybe, is it the equipment should, does the, should I get new, should I get a new camera? Like they just, so it's just an easy question to ask in lieu of saying, Hey, that's great work, which I think Whose fault people is really that, should have. <laughs> Oh, I know, but I'm just no, saying, I, 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 I'm, and that, that's the, the approach or like, that's what, that's what they're, you know, um, not, not cognizant yet of the effort or what's required or however you want to put it. Um, how do you think when you're shooting these photographs and it's not about your gear other than if you have dependencies on settings, you want to make sure that you're in the ballpark. Other than that, it doesn't matter what the equipment is. It really doesn't. Right. But how, um, has it always been this way? I mean, I don't recall when I was shooting film or when I was looking at other people's film, because I remember I worked at a stock agency. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's sort of when I was beginning to do photography commercially and, you know, really getting into it. So maybe at some of the same point that people are at now with their cameras and and I'm not saying this is, I'm a better person. I just don't recall, you know, I think of one photographer who, uh, who I, whose work I admired a lot and, uh, uh <coughs> who's from Seattle and, uh, I, just, I won't mention his name. I just don't want to say that, but mm -hmm. I would look at his work and I was, I was just blown away by it, but I don't ever remember. And I talked to him a lot. I actually wrote letters back and forth to him, mm -hmm. um, and I don't ever remember asking him like what cameras he have. And in fact, I don't even remember. I, I don't remember what cameras the guy used. I have no idea. Uh, and so with the film, with film cameras, I don't remember ever doing that. And then when you would see film too, like you would get medium format film, you would see it physically different, you know, 35 millimeter slides, right. you knew it was from a 35 millimeter camera, medium format. Mm, you know, if it was square, most likely probably came from a Hasselblad. It might've come from a Bronica or something like that. Mm. But you know, there was nothing on the film to indicate what camera came out. There was no metadata per se. Right. Um, you know, so you could probably guess some cameras from the film, but it, again, it wasn't something that was on my mind. So I just wonder. Well, I remember I, when I was younger and we were shooting weddings and Sunday school picnic and all that kind of stuff. Uh, folks would come over and just see what you had people right just like be like, like oh right uh, yeah what is that thing 
Because they probably had a collection of cameras at home. Or the, well, I had lens. Well, I, have, or, yeah. I don't think I had two bodies, but I had more than one lens. And someone would catch me changing a lens. And, ooh, what do you got there? Right, but that's looking so. at your equipment. They're not seeing the end result because no, they're looking true. at you in yeah, person, well, right? Yeah. So I, wondering where, and I don't think we can answer this, but maybe it could point to it a little bit. Like, where, where did this evolve how did it, how do you think this evolved because i don't remember this mm. was filmed did this is this something that came with digital because digital is so quick in the turnaround or so um i don't know distinctive colors actually would people ask what kind of film you used i wonder if that was maybe that was the equivalent in the film days i don't remember that but sure well no I because know. i remember when when velvia was first um <laughs> when velvia was first uh uh sort of coming through uh, across our desks and you're like what is this you know you're looking at it and the colors were so vibrant or mm -hmm. uh something and and of course you could look at the flip at the back of the film you, you could see that it was um, yeah where you open the film you could actually see it was fuji and it would say velvia on it so it wasn't hard to to guess that might maybe that was more of the equivalent but it was again not as not as pervasive i think as it is now and people are asking no. these questions about i think you're right and and it's not you know, it's different than I think when someone looks at a photograph and they can see the processing in it and they say, Hey, that's a great picture. What did you process it with? And I think that's a failure of, um, yeah. processing. You know, I tell, I tell students, if you over process your picture, you're going to, and, and someone says that you've mm -hmm. over processed your picture, you know, and, and, and you sort of lost them at that because they're not seeing the subject matter. But yeah, yeah, the uh, overabundance of uh, oversaturation, which was a right. big deal for a little well, while. Well, that's still the case. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. What do you think about this? I mean, I don't think but... I, I, I'm not quite as taken aback or annoyed by the question as you. Uh, I try and take it like a, uh, I don't know, like a teaching moment to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what the gear is. Um, um, and that you, you know, you have your phone and if you want to take a picture like this, I could have easily have, depending on what it is, you know, might've taken it with a phone if that was the only equipment I had with me at the time. Do you um, tell, do you tell people though? Like if someone says, what did you shoot that picture? You shot it with a phone or I shot it with the camera. I mean, will you, um, eventually if they press, if they um, press, yeah, yeah, but no, I don't, I certainly don't tell them right off the bat. And and why? And is by that? the way, here it is. <laughs> I just take it out of my bag. <laughs> but what and what is? I mean, you're saying you're using it as a teaching moment. Where did you come up with this as a um, a plan of action? Like, what what's that coming from for you? Um, well, this is just in the last ten years or so. Um, yeah. Well, no, when there was this kind of discussion was going around in forums and. On, uh, articles about photography, about when that, uh, the expression, the best camera you have is the one you have with you, whatever, um, however that, whatever that saying is, yeah, yeah. Mm. uh, and that you can do, you can produce good work out of any equipment that you have and that spending a lot of money doesn't make things better. Um, you know, that, that's just based, that's basically it. I just say it doesn't really matter what what I took it, this with. Has it always been like that for you? Like it's just, well, just in the last 10 years, last I guess. Years. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. somewhere in there yeah. or just since I started doing shooting street and, and now I'm, I'm, you know, putting stuff out there on Instagram and yeah. Flickr and I, I get the odd question. 
I have it pop up in my class sometimes. Uh, and because when I go, like one of the classes I teach, I, two, two classes in person are street photography and digital photography, which I just did last week. And, you know, I, I come in there and I've got, I just bring my cameras as examples. So I, bring, I actually was bringing, I brought my GFX and then I brought my X-Pro3. Mm -hmm. It's just the cameras I picked up while I was walking out the door. And the people in the class, uh, I think there were two Canon uh, APS-C mirrorless cameras, which is like the M200 or mm. I can't remember which numbers. They both actually had the same camera. And then uh, another person had a like a Nikon D3200 or 3300. And, you know, the, the, there's a big difference between, you know, the cameras I've got because, you know, yeah, big and professional and these are, you know, appropriate, I think, for the students. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I, I come across is telling them, you know, because they all come there with kit lenses and this is always tricky because just as you were saying, the best cameras when you have with you, doesn't matter the equipment you have. And I, and I, in my brain, I know that a photographer, a good photographer could take a camera and a kit lens and probably make fantastic pictures. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm also, I'm, I'm trying, I tell them that I said, you know, it's great to have a kit lens, but I said, at a certain point, you're going to find, you know, limitations. You're going to hit, right. you're going to balance and the limitations and you don't want to think about maybe buying another lens or or you know you probably won't buy another body but you buy other lenses and stuff like that but i right. always find that that's a weird balance because i'm telling them on one hand you know your cameras are fine you don't need to change anything just just work with what you have right but at some point you're gonna want to shift up and that's when they ask me well what cameras would you recommend what lenses would you recommend I said, I, I yeah but that's there's a difference there there in the first case where people are asking what lens you're using, that's sort of like uh, an implied, they want to get a shortcut to say, how can I get ah, better pictures right now? Right. The other is you're talking, uh, you know, photographer to photographer. Okay. So there here's you what go. you're going. Then now you're going to, now you're limited. Why are you limited? Oh, you like to shoot at night and your kit lens is only goes to F 3.5. Oh, a nice prime, a 2.8 or right, 1.7 right. or 1.4. And go from there, or it's not zoomy enough. You're a sport photographer. You you just decide right. you're, you know, right, you're trying to take pictures you, of birds and you can't. Yeah, you, have you a want that eighty to two hundred yeah, yeah. or yeah. seventy to two hundred. So is that you the know. thing? It's a it's a it's the shortcuttiness. Absolutely. Oh, you don't even think about that because who like, who asks those questions? It's not people that are already, you know, kind of further down in their journey. It's people who are like trying to grasp at something that's going to help them get off the ground a little more quickly. And it well, maybe really, that's some of the people who ask that question. Maybe not all of them. But maybe it's well. Maybe, it's uh, maybe from uh, um, uh, someone who's been in the hobby for a while might ask, "Okay, there's something going on with this picture. Mm -hmm. What gear is this? This looks like razor thin depth of field. So you either had a really long lens, or you're in some kind of medium format thing. I'm just want to know from a you know, from a technical point of view, what yeah, actually well, is going yeah. on here? Yeah. I think that's a fair question. Yeah. It's tricky because I don't want to, you know, and I'm, I, I, I want to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to hide secrets. You know, I do have this, you know, uh, tendency to want to teach. And so I want people to ask yeah. questions and learn. And yeah. I don't want, um, I don't necessarily want to give something away so easily. I want them to use no. your use their brains a little we bit. You could say maybe that's the wrong question to ask. Asking what oh, well, lens it is is the wrong question to ask. Well, wrong. The, how would you say that? Then if that's the wrong question, how would you finish that? 
That's the wrong question to ask. But what, <laughs> well, what is it that you see in this image that makes you want to ask me what, the, oh. what lens it is? Okay. All right. And that's, that's sort nice... of like, well, like it's, you've got so much street in there. Like there's the people and they're little, and then you've got all the street on both sides. You like, it's really, really like a really wide thing. Oh, okay. You saw that. So yeah, mm. I shot it with a wide angle lens. It was like a 21 millimeter and it's this lens that, you know, and that would, oh, okay. that's all a right. more interesting Yes, you know, more interesting, and that could lead to a better discussion. And that's an actual that becomes a technical discussion and not a shortcut thing. Yeah. Why All right, I'll I try to keep that in mind. Up, I think that's a nice way to 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 think about it. I can probably still open up the conversation. Yeah, just say you Facebook know you don't here. like to answer a question with a question, but still, like, what makes you want to yeah. ask me? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I see. I knew. Why I did I actually tonight? come up with something? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I think that's worth a try. And I, I, again, I don't really want to have knee-jerk reactions to this. And I think I'm, I'm getting better at it um, because I'm realizing what's the big deal. Mm. But again, the, like I said, the teacher part of me kicks in. And I, want, I, want, I want a discussion, which I think your suggestion opens it up to. And I want people to think uh, and mm -hmm. try to figure out stuff. Because I like thinking and figuring out stuff. Um, uh, even though, you know people have answered my questions in the past. I, I still have to also think and figure stuff out. And, and it's nice to have that discovery, you know, mm -hmm. on my own. So, all right. I appreciate that. Thank you. I just made it up. <laughs> now the main course, <laughs> more or less. So when uh, Ward, when you came to uh, visit me in October of last year, yep, you brought me a couple of books. One was your uh, book made by uh, oh the rodeo you and book. Mark, the, the rodeo Harrison book, and I did yeah. yeah. And actually, between, I have no idea. Between Dust and Sky, the one hundredth uh, Hand Hills Lake Stampede. That's, That's correct. That and I don't know where I put it. It's, I've, I've got books all over the place now. I visited also, the camera store today on the way home from work and I saw that our copy in the store is still there, which is good and bad. It's good that people still get to see, see it. it. It's bad that it hasn't sold, it yet. hasn't sold yet. <laughs> Maybe nobody wants to buy the last copy. Uh, Maybe you need to put a second copy in there. You said you still have a few left. Yeah. 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 We got a few. Uh, but then you also gave me this book from your neck of the woods for a photographer. It's called, um, Everett Baker's Saskatchewan. Did I pronounce that correctly? So, I hope. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Saskatchewan. Uh, Portraits of an Era. Era. Selected by Bill Weiser. Weiser. Uh, and you said, I can't remember what you said to me. Like You said, this is from your neck of the woods or like you said. Well, it's from my home province. It's right? from your home province, but you wanted me to see it and, and have it. Yeah. It was sort of like, uh, I'm coming, I'm bringing my culture it. with me. You didn't sign I didn't it. sign. Oh, I didn't dedicate it. You could have said it. like, you know, to your friend, you know. I, you know, you it'll, it'll just, it'll just lessen the volume of it or lessen the value of it. You know, you know when you, you know, you okay. want to, you know, you want to be a book collector, you don't want to too, too marked up. All right. So I, th we thought it would be a good idea to talk about the, I've never heard of this photographer before you, you've had. Obviously, we, yeah, but he's a recent discovery in terms of, uh, um, you know, Saskatchewan culture. Um, he was discovered, I think in 97. Uh, really? Um, that, that recently? Yeah. He 
passed away. Well, we, we should just tell the story. Yeah, so. let's tell the story. Well, he, he's, he's a little bit of your story. So I, I did read the book, but I think uh, I'll, I'll just uh, defer to you to give us the sort of the background on him first. Sure. So he was actually, he's an American dude. Uh, he was uh, born in the late 1800s, I think 1893 in Minnesota. And uh, actually in the middle of the First World War, he moved to a really remote town in Saskatchewan called Aneroid which is a funny name for a town. Um, and he started a farm there uh, in 1916. And he kept the farm going until 1924 when he started working for, um, in those days in Saskatchewan, because it's so sparsely populated, the whole thing about cooperatives was very big. And it still is, in fact, the Federated Cooperatives of, um, whatever it's, uh, yeah, it's Federated Cooperative, they're like, uh, um, you know, they have um, uh, retail stores and grocery mm -hmm. stores and gas stations, all that kind of stuff. And it all came from this, um, uh, from these cooperatives that started in the twenties and thirties, in part to buffer the buffer their um, um, their economy from uh, the depression and so on. So anyway, did it did it did it help? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did help. Yeah, yeah. it did. Okay. Yeah, because it provided jobs. It gave these smaller communities access to markets they wouldn't otherwise have. I mean, they had railways and stuff. And if all these communities and cooperatives could get together, they had buying power in order to bring lumber and all those sorts of things so they could build homes and stuff. So the cooperatives were good at, at bringing that stuff in. So anyway, so he was sort of part swept up in that and part of that. So he, he left the farm. He ran the store in Aneroid and he did that till about 31 and the depression hit. And so he ended up starting for another cooperative organization called the Saskatchewan Wheat Pool. And if you're from Saskatchewan, you know about the Wheat Pool and it was the the kind of the marketing sales arm of, of grain farmers in Saskatchewan. And so and they were a huge organization in terms of Canadian and the Canadian economy to getting getting wheat and other grains to market. So he was with them, and one thing that, uh, with the wheat pool, because they were kind of ubiquitous throughout the province, was he got to travel a lot. And so with his traveling, he was able to see new co-op stores set up, so he would take pictures of those. There'd be some kind of seminar going on, he'd take pictures of those, and that sort of thing. And so that carried on right through until the 60s. And he passed away in uh, 1983, and he left behind a bunch of slides and there's something very interesting about the way he worked in that in the late thirties, I think in 1939, he bought a Leica who yeah, in Saskatchewan oh, can I tell that had can a Leica. A little bit? Well, no, you tell that story. <laughs> well, just a little bit, you know, but he, he got, um, there were some refugees that had come over from, uh, uh Sudetenland, which had been yeah. invaded by Germany or yeah. invaded, annexed. And, uh, from a, um, he bought a Leica from one of the refugees. Uh, he paid him, what was it? Something like a hundred bucks. Is about a hundred bucks. Was it a hundred bucks Canadian or a hundred bucks American? Would have been Canadian. Yeah. Canadian. But, uh, it seemed like a lot of money for the camera. Yeah. And so it seems like he was offering the guy, uh, the, the refugees needed money. They had to, they were mm -hmm. penniless and. And so I think he ended up offering them more money than what the camera was worth in order to also help them out. Mm. But the, uh, um, 
Yeah, he bought. I don't kind of like it. It was. I don't know what. what I'm not going to get into the thirty nine. What it would have been like a three C or something. It would have been yeah. pretty old. Yeah. But you know that for him to have uh, um, a being able to help out these people a bit by the, buying the camera, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, kind of cool little story. And then the fact that I didn't realize that there was a lot of uh, Sudan refugees who had come over uh, mm -hmm. and settled in Canada. So yeah. Um, as a I very, read the book. very large uh, Ukrainian component, very large. Really, uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, no. a very. Uh, uh, think the. I think it's the largest concentration of Ukrainians of uh, Ukrainian diaspora outside Ukraine. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Thousands and thousands of Ukrainians came and uh, started uh, started farms. But another thing about Baker too was not only did he have a Leica, but what film did he use? He used Kodachrome. He used Kodachrome, yes. <laughs> which is, uh, if you know anything about the Kodachrome, uh, Paul Simon sings about it. Yeah, well, we, can't, uh, we can't say the <laughs> No, we can't. We'll be sued. <laughs> we just say, Paul Simon has a song about a- Paul Simon has a song about Kodachrome. song about Kodachrome. And we could talk about Kodachrome because it's, yeah. Kodak's not around anymore. Kodachrome's not around anymore. Um, the book you gave me is is incredibly well printed, uh, and it, it's done in a way like slides. I just noticed that that all the pictures are the corners are cur uh, curved, mm -hmm. as if you were looking at a slide mount. Um, so when I'm, I'm looking at like a single picture on a page, and it looks like a 35 millimeter slide. Yeah, you know, uh, I can hear the fan running and the okay, slide yeah, the, the, the projector advancing. Yeah. Well, talk about what he photographed. Talk talk about because that's I think part of the interesting story about him because he's he's going around many different places mm -hmm. with his Leica. He's using he's taking pictures not from what I could tell not as any kind of art project, but as sort of a record, right? Yeah, he was a record. He he is uh, he's a couple of notches above vernacular photography, although he took pictures of. The bathing beauties outside in, by the lake resort. He would take pictures of, um, you know, um, I think he's got some pictures of Hutterite families from their their communes. Uh, he's got photographs of uh, gatherings of parades, for instance. There could mm -hmm. be uh, Dominion Day parades, which is July first, what we call Canada Day now. Um, There'd be uh, events for the co-op uh, where there would be a new store, a new gas station would be set up in the early '60s. My hometown is in there, Outlook, Saskatchewan. Oh, they're really? showing yeah. they're showing the gas station, you know, and the the lumber yard building set up in 1961, you know. Um, so there's that um, farm families gatherings for 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 picnics, um, auctions. Uh, you know, if there's a livestock auction, he's very often there, and those auctions would take place out of doors um, in those days. Um, and, and just he traveled just a lot, everything. Right? He did travel a lot. I'd be interested to know what his travel log is. Yeah, I, I would like to know that too. He'd also bring, wouldn't he bring a projector with him and show slides when he would oh, travel? Oh, did he? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's, I think yeah. it was in the story. It was like he, he would show pictures of uh, either other farms or what other people were doing to other groups of people and there were this you know uh, gatherings uh these slideshows and things i was looking through the pictures and um not you know i'm a big fan of also photographers uh during the uh time of the pressure in the united states the fsa photographers FSA, yeah. and it occurred to me as i was looking through his work 
that, uh, first of all, he wasn't doing that, although there's a similarity in mm -hmm. the subject matter because he's, he's doing farms and the people, mm -hmm. uh, certainly the time periods, there's some crossover a little bit. Uh, 10 um, years later or so, like the ones yeah. pictures from the forties. But there's almost like an opposite, <laughs> there's like an opposite FSA going on here because uh, the opposite of the depression. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you look at the pictures from th that time period, the vast majority are, are from, you know, the United States photographers are in black and white. They're during the depression. People it's, it's terrible time and people are unhappy and it's, mm -hmm. it, it literally the depression in yeah. photography. And I look at his pictures and even yeah. though it's after it's still during world war two, some of the, some of the stuff, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, during reconstruction afterwards and, and, and everything, but there's still a feeling of like, I want to say anti-depression is not the right word, but well, people the smiling. 40s, yeah. People are smiling. So there's some things happened. The, uh, you know, the, the, the cooperative movement was going very well. The weather was good. They were getting rainfall. Like there's very few images in there where it's not green. Right. Which, right. you know, I grew up in there in the seventies and you know, it's very nearly drought almost all the time oh, really? there. Yeah. And, you know, there it just seemed like everything was very green. And a part of that is, I guess, his choice and when he shot and, you know, the times of year uh, and that sort of thing. But it just seems very lush to me as a, as a Saskatchewanian um, that, uh, you know, yeah. and that's, yeah, I, f I find that interesting too, but I look at those pictures and I can feel the warm wind blow through and the women's hair and, and, uh, uh you know, sitting out in the sun and the farmer with his, uh, you know, his ruddy complexion, not mm -hmm. because he's Irish, but because he spent way too much time outside. <laughs> uh. It's, it, you know, <laughs> thinking again about the depression era photographers going around, they're photographing people in their environment. And it doesn't look like the people are putting on any kind of face. They're just presenting themselves as they are. Mm -hmm. This book has the same feeling. The people do seem like they're feeling different. There's a naturalness. Mm -hmm. You know, people are smiling in front of the cameras, but I, I, I get the sense from the vast majority of pictures I'm seeing in this that is genuine. It's not people yeah. putting on a, a smiling face or a happy face for the camera. There's just something behind it that feels more natural and right. And happy is that you know why we talk about you know Canadians are like really nice people. <laughs> well, there's a thing, there's a thing I would say, <clears throat> pardon me, um, is that you know because he would t he didn't take that much many pictures while well, he did qu take quite a few pictures of uh, folks out um, you know sitting on their front steps on their uh, on their farmhouse uh, of the gatherings of people who have come to town to see the parade and they're there to be seen and so. If they weren't, they wouldn't be in the pictures. They'd be at home on the farm moping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a little joke. They'd be like, I don't feel like going. I'm not, I don't feel like going into town to do that. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it was a big deal to go into town. Even in the seventies, the nearest city uh, to us is, was Saskatoon. And it's, it's an, an hour's drive. Oh, really? Wow. And it was a big deal, you know? Yeah. You yeah, know, the, the, the wives would be going cause they had, they would have nine and 9 PM shopping on Thursday evenings. Right. And so we're going to get a, you know, a couple of girls together and we're going to go, we're going to go late night shopping in the city. We always called the city. And in fact, my wife and I, we're both from, we both grew up in the same town. It's sort of like, you know, oh, did, 
did your mother go into the into the city today even though i live in this we live in a city that's you know eight times bigger five <laughs> times bigger it's sort of like well did they go to the city tonight you know mm. so th there's a whole kind of there's a little culture of of place and and it's funny that you talk about um uh baker taking his projector with him and showing people didn't travel that much i mean if you could oh, really? see yeah. like people who live out in the middle of of um uh, who live up who live up north in what's basically parkland so trees and meadows and lakes and all that kind of stuff and they'd see pictures from Shonovan or fort Quapel or someplace where it's almost desert it's very short short grass prairie and kind of the undulations and the coolies and the rivers and creeks and stuff that's in the south of the province where you know, you'd sit and, you know, it's the same province, but the, mm -hmm. the geography is so much different. And you'd look at that, you know, and if you weren't from there, from, you know, where he's showing those pictures, like, wow, it's really hot summers. And it's right. really, you know, there were these whole kind of, uh, and I think, I think that's great. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because he's kind of pulling the people of the province together by doing that. And he's seeing things in the different places that he goes. But this wasn't uh, his job. He that. wasn't a photographer. He just no. brought a camera with him. Yep. And, and he was and, just an enthusiast. He was an enthusiast. Yeah. What? And the what? Story, and the story. Sorry. And the story is he left behind fifteen thousand slides, mm -hmm. and then in uh, uh, it went. To, I think that the images went in binders after he passed away. They went to a university in Ontario somewhere, so way further east, like out of the prairie, out of the prairies completely. And somebody I don't know was from the University of Saskatchewan. Um heard about these and, uh, and brought them back to the province. The person who was the curator of the uh, museum said, look, if you can find a use for them to please take them. And they did. And I guess they got some teachers together and then they got uh, like a dozen teachers together. And after what, nine months, they had 10,000 slides scanned and they put most of them into smug mug actually. And we can, put yeah, the there's a good, there's a, we'll put the links in the show notes, but you can see, um, a good chunk of his pictures. I don't think all 10,000 are there, uh, but a, a lot of them are. There's a lot of actually high-res scans, which surprised me, a lot of low-res scans. Um, but they just scan them. There's no yeah. there's no work on them whatsoever. So if you want to go see these pictures, we'll, we'll have the links. Uh, well, it's it not unlike, of, it's not unlike sitting and watching a slideshow. No, it's not. And, and but what is, what is um, to you, what is special about his work? Like what, what is it that, uh, resonates with you other than you being, you know, from the area that he's photographing a lot, what, like you gave me this book. Yeah. What was it like, you know? Well, it's to say, if you had any idea what it's like to live there, mm -hmm. the people don't look any different there today as they do there. The glasses are fancier and the clothes are different, but the way people look and the kind of awkward smile that they make for the camera that is all still there and like i say about the warm wind blowing through your hair when i had hair um <laughs> in, in the summertime um that's in that book that just really captures a sense of place and i like as i get older the sense of place i mean i was walking around downtown calgary today and i could see my own ghost where i took a picture of Oh yeah, I took a picture called Manly Distance. I stood right over there and this is that railing and yeah, you know, like the play for some reason places become a real deal. And that book I think transmits what it's like to be in Saskatchewan just with a bit of time travel thrown in, which is another one of my 
one of my deals. And so, uh, and so I thought, I think it transmitted that. And I wanted to bring you something that represented me in some mm-hmm. way. It's, it, it's something special also, if I may interject here, um, mm-hmm. to see pictures from this period of time, first of all, like a, a giant concentration of them. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at the uh, smug bug pages, the giant concentration of pictures from this kind of the relatively the same area. Mm. And from that time period in color, mm. like, you know, we're often seeing pictures from the forties and fifties more often in black and white, um, because color wasn't really taken so seriously. Uh, and also this guy, I mean, Kodachrome must've been expensive. Kodachrome yep. was a, Kodachrome was a very, um, hard film to process. Yeah. Uh, the nearest lab would have been Vancouver. So. He would have had to send his film to Vancouver right. or Toronto, probably. And it would probably have taken a long time for it to process, mm-hmm. uh, long time for him to get it back. Um, but you know, as a as a historic you know record of any area, whether it's you know in this case Canada or any place else, to see this much color about like I would say one subject matter, but you know when you look through it, you, you know it's farms and people and uh, what they're doing. It's it's kind of incredible. You know, mm-hmm. and there's all these little gems in there. I mean, there's a lot of pictures in there. I'm, you know, I look that at them. seem like, vernacular. Yeah, they're just yeah, whatever. you know, and they're like great. It's great <laughs> to see the side of the barn and yeah. this little, you know, uh, canal or something like that. But every now and then, like actually, there's some pictures in the. There were some pictures in the book. I put. I put, You can see. Look, I put all these little. Yeah, little uh, sticky notes on on pages. I like to talk about. Of course, is you know, again, we're doing audio here. Um. There's just one picture of a woman holding her child in the middle of a wheat field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Donald McLeod, Clayton, 1956. The book actually goes for, through all the different eras. It just sort of mixes up the the 50s and the 40s and mm-hmm. there's some 60s stuff in here. And I think um, there's something really nice about the picture. It's a very it's a very quintessential Kodachrome color, golden hour picture. Uh, her skin is very warm toned. She's got again the genuine smile on her face in a wheat mm-hmm. field. It's almost like a built-in vignette going on, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know what that's about. Where that's from—is it the camera or something like that? Uh, and and there's a lot, again there's like these little gems. This 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 one I love. This older woman with um, oh yeah next to her uh, plum her plum tree or plum whatever it is. Yeah, uh, which would have been a rare crop. Like no one grows plums, right? Did, and she yeah. looks so proud of it. You know, yeah. she's like, and and she, not only just proud, but like, you know, like happy to show it off. And it's just there's something about it's like, it. Anyway, yeah, it's but, like, uh, okay, Everett, go ahead. You know, yeah, <laughs> take the <There's> picture. This, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, this other one he's got of a heavy rain and a rainbow. The printing is not so great on the picture, but you can kind of see this hint of a rainbow. It's very, kind of out of place. This sort of dark mm. picture. Mm-hmm. Yes, but anyway, there's all you know. Here's one of the customers and staff. These people outside of a store, and they're all wearing like what look like um, silly uh, in, um, Indian headdresses. Oh yeah, like made of cardboard or something like that, or you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed a couple of things. First of all, he shoots mostly horizontal. Yeah. The vast majority of pictures are horizontal, which I was thinking that's. I'm very curious about that. Every now and then, he'll there'll be a shot in vertical of like 
people in bathing suits or something like that. Well, I would like just that. say, my metaphysically, that place is all about horizon and sky, I, right? Yeah, I was thinking. Unbelievable that. sky yeah. there, yeah. I also wonder if it's, I mean, not an amateur thing to do, but it's like, you know, he 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 seems to be taking pictures, like he's standing someplace and he's taking a picture. Yeah. He's yeah. not getting a different angle. He's not going down low. He's using the same lens. Mm -hmm. right or at least it seems like the same lens mm -hmm. another curious thing is that when he photographs groups i mean this is this is me sort of pixel peeping you know in a in a way but yeah he photographs groups he shoots them on an angle to get them like, all in to get them all in i didn't <laughs> like i was thinking about that i was like why are they all on an angle there are some group pictures that are straight on but yeah. every time there's a group more often than not if it's a big group he'll have a big the, group yeah. they're shot at an angle and everybody's sort of looking over their shoulder at him and yeah. Like so I thought that was kind of cool. There's a, it, it's, it's the more I look at it, the more um, the the imagery draws me in. And of course, I'm I'm always excited about pictures from the past. You know, mm -hmm. these time periods are great. To see it in color makes it a little bit easier to relate mm -hmm. to it because just I think that's the way color is. Um, and it's not the kind of picture like if you had not given me this book, I would have never known about this or cared. No. Uh, Actually, people in Saskatchewan wouldn't have either. Like, oh, really? That's, no. what, that's why this is of such value. It's sort of like, oh. And when you see pictures from your hometown, uh, or now I'm looking at a picture of a brick building, the Broderick Co-op store, well, that's six miles from where I grew up. I know where that building is yeah. now, yeah. you know? Like, there's this time travel component to it. And and uh, there's pictures of you know group pictures taken from in my hometown and so i want my mother-in-law to look at these pictures and like who are these i mean do, <laughs> did i go to school with their grandkid with their grandkids you know like um, there's probably a good chance they might know somebody i mean given oh there's you know, no there's, doubt there's yeah. no doubt yeah yeah because it's uh, our parents generation that he covered in the 60s right right that's true yeah again it, it like i said it's got that it's you know because of the farm and the kind of area and time that he photographed it's got the feel of of the depression era photographs and it's just totally the opposite you know it's not black and white it's color it's not sad and depressed people yeah. it's people who seem to be genuinely content uh yeah. with their and situations there was a lot of pride in the province right up until pretty much the late 70s that's when things started to external forces globalization all that kind of stuff commodity prices came down um and it wasn't as as prosperous as it seemed to be and then but so it's capturing all of that post-war optimism in canada that i think is not that you don't see documented pretty much anywhere else mm. in the prairies especially you know, you know if canada. anybody's picked up his reign like it's like continuing this or is this just like a one-time thing that you think this happened um how do you mean continuing his reign like, like you uh, know is anybody else doing this kind of work now like um that's a good question i yeah yeah, yeah anyway. i don't know i was just yeah i didn't know you might I mean, I mean they had there are lots of photographers in saskatchewan and but the ones that i see are all doing sort of the fine arty kind of things that yeah, yeah. you would this expect is, to see and wildlife and and northern lights pictures and all that kind of stuff that yeah. is 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 you know i think kind of common but this kind of semi vernacular i mean no one's really doing what he did now i don't see you know like there are no traveling salesmen anymore 
or people that, <laughs> yeah. well, maybe there are, no, but not in, not in Saskatchewan that I know of where you would have the time to be able to take some pictures and bring the families out of their farmhouse and like, it's just, it's not done anymore. Yeah. Well, I'm really, um, very happy that you gave me this book and I'm very happy to have now discovered him. And like I said, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you, I spent a whole bunch of time on the, uh, smug mug sites going through the pictures and, and popping them open. Cause there's a lot of them that are not in the book. Yeah. Uh, just so I can see like the details. There's one, uh, there's this one, this shot of an old bus. Um, God, yes, it's, they're great. You know, so if you like this kind of, the, the pictures are all dusty, so you can see all the dust on them. Nobody's mm -hmm. cleaned it, cleaned it off. Um, so, I, and I'm surprised they put all that stuff on smug mug. So, well, it was, uh, they wanted to get it out there. And I think, I, I think they were wise to do that. I mean, you know, so, so many, I mean, we talk about Ukrainian diaspora and diaspora. There's Saskatchewan diaspora too. I think fully a third of Calgary is ex Saskatchewan people. Really? Yeah. In fact, there's a, there's a, um, there's a pub, um, a few miles away. Um, it's called a Saskatchewan bar and they used to have. They used to have a notebook or a logbook there where you would write down your name and where you came from, and uh, you go you go through it, and inevitably <laughs> there was someone you knew <laughs> that went through town. Why didn't they call me? You know. Yeah. Um, well, it, I, it's that's kind of a lucky thing. I mean, it's you know, the, someone so many of us live in places where you know, like if I live in New York, I mean, I, you know, I could never see the same person twice over my entire lifetime. Um, and to be someplace where you can come across people that you know uh, mm -hmm. is quite nice. And and to see that also then recorded, I felt I feel that in his pictures, like it does mm -hmm. seem like he was welcomed where he went. Uh, he was working for a, um, for this co-op agency. Yeah. Uh, and this and and then taking the time, like to do this, like this this wasn't part of his job yeah. or no, he, he sort of made it as part of his job. He did. Right? He did. Well, there's pictures you know. of the co-op board meetings and stuff like that, you know, and it's yeah. just, but I don't think he was like, up. I don't think they hired him and said, you're going to be a photographer. He just, he, yeah. he just he decided the initiative. to do this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks for sharing him with me and, and the rest of us. I mean, it's uh, kind of a little treasure here. I think I would agree. Yeah. And I think his book is still available. Um, is it is it available in places where? Yeah, order? I think uh, you think you can get it. Um, in Canada, we have Chapters Indigo, which is sort of like a Barnes and Noble kind of thing. It was published in two thousand seven, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. uh, somewhere in there. Taking a look here. It may it's be multiple, available. Multiple printings, two thousand uh, two thousand seven. Yeah, first published yeah. in the United States. Yeah. So I didn't even look. It might be on Amazon. It might be on Amazon.com uh, too. Yeah. There's there's been a few printings too. So it seems like yeah. it's a popular book. Very cool. And in the uh, in the end of the book, uh, there's a little bit about the appendix, the Leica camera and Kodachrome film. So they talk about the film and camera at the time he was uh, uh, he was shooting. And uh, the size of the camera, whatever camera he's got, it doesn't say what model it is. So. so it's very interesting. I really like this. Cool.
thank you for this book and i'm glad we got a chance to share it and I, anyway i was like I, i've got both uh this book and jeffrey's uh manhattan astoria book in my hands and i'm just wondering like there's some i'm saying connection to them but i'm looking at them both and thinking you know about how two people are seeing the areas that they live in in such different ways and yet are still recording it um well, one's your one's your neighborhood and one's mine, so that's even yeah. Not only that, but it adds that, it special too. Yeah, but there's also that sense of time and um, place, and uh, this is what um, this area looked like at this time that uh, these photographers walked around and photographed. So uh, it makes me kind of happy to be doing like the things that I'm doing, like you know the, mm -hmm. the recording of the neighborhood and and, and whatnot. Uh, and and I, I encourage people to do that when they can because everybody comes like oh I need to go someplace I need to travel, you know long distances and and, and you know, get, in order to get good photography and I was like no you know most photographers I think you can do everything in your own area you know, within your own. Um, yeah, well, province. I mean <laughs> when I started up with Mark in whatever it was 2014 2015, there are photographs we take of buildings that have been knocked down. Uh, the views that are no longer possible that we captured. So mm. it doesn't take long before things are different and novel. Yeah. Oh, I want to take pictures of these boring old cars and stuff. Well, maybe not now, but come check again in 20 or 30 years and right. you'll, be, exactly. you'll be amazed. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, I, I'm, uh, again, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about him uh, on the show. And thank you for the book. You're you know, welcome. Next My time pleasure. you give me a book, sign it. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. Next time I visit, I'll sign it. Okay. <laughs> Antonio made me write this. All the yeah, best. That, yeah. Ward. Those, that, are, those are great. In trouble with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, we got another one in the can. Wonderful. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, as we wrap up, where are people going to look for you in the world? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ward Rosin Fine Art, uh, Twitter at uh, W Rosin Photo. I'm also W Rosin Photo on Bureau. Uh, I have a website called uh, Rosin.ca. There's not much there right now. I'm, you know, at some point I'll catch up on that. And uh, I have this little business called Ornus Photo, where I sell uh, lenses for Sony E for the X mounts and lens adapters. Our unofficial, our unofficial sponsor. sponsor. Oh, I'm on Facebook too. Is you're on Facebook too, right? Bookface, yeah. 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 All right, cool. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at am rosario. Although I'm spending less and less time on Twitter, I've started to move a little bit towards Mastodon. Uh, so you can find me on Mastodon also at am rosario. I'm starting to put stuff up there. I'm on Vero at am rosario. I'm on Flickr at am rosario. I got an Opie here screaming at me at am rosario. <laughs> uh, my cat Facebook, Opie is it? My cat there. Opie, yeah. Facebook is Rosario.photo and uh, what else? Yeah, I, I haven't put up any stuff on our on our Instagram site, so I'm not mentioning that. But uh, you know, maybe we'll move over to, to, to Mastodon too or something like that. Anyway, cool. Uh, did I miss anything? I didn't. No, I think we're good. No, and and uh, we, we, you know, I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. I hope. You bet. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining me tonight. All right. Have a good one. Right. Good, good night. night, everybody. Bye. Now, Frosty the Snowman. Well, I know those, you know, the Rankin Bass stuff. Those old. They're like old, sure. you know, animations. Okay.
Like old animations, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Heat. <laughs> no, I don't know that one. That, you don't that's... know this one? No, oh, I don't know that one. No, the guy with the crazy hair. Oh, no. this is... I'm thinking oh, the uh, Yukon Cornelius. A, and, no, the Christmas without a Santa Claus. Rudolph the Red Nose. They were like these '50s animations, stop motion animations. Well, I know the stop motion, the Rankin Bass ones. I'm thinking of Frosty. No, Frosty the Snowman was actually drawn. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Yukon yeah, Cornelius. You remember? And, but there was one. The Christmas without a Santa Claus. <coughs> I don't know that one. That one. There was the Heat Miser, and there was the the Cold Miser, and one was oh. red with little hair. No. Nope. Okay. I don't there, think that one made our... it across the border. Yeah.